I thought I was done with Ephesians, but not. Never will be. <laughs> Miguel talked so well about the fivefold ministry when he, he talked here uh, several weeks ago. There's a couple of nuances off of that passage in Ephesians 4 that I'd like to highlight because I think the Holy Spirit's highlighting for us today. So if you have a, your Bible and turn to Ephesians 4, verse 11 through 13, or it'll appear up on the screen in just a moment. We're going to go ahead and skip down to the actual verse, Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. And he himself, that is Jesus, the resurrected living Jesus Christ, gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Stop there for a moment. Um, Jesus has designed an impartation of his living, infinitely loving, generously, lavishly kind experience of himself, not in isolation from, but right in the middle of a church life that is marked by what people call the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. In the context of a church that is striving with that kind of leadership, there is a presence of Jesus Christ walking among the candlesticks that is unavoidable and hugely, infinitely powerful, working redemptively, shepherding us individually. And it's a very, very wonderful, beautiful thing. And I'm excited about 2020 partly because I've, we've seen a, a huge upgrade in the Bible uh, ministry here at New Song Church. I want to comment that we have a couple of apostle types, and we emphasize verbs, not nouns. We emphasize function, not position. Right? Marty Peterson functions apostolically with about 3,000 saints in... in uh, Costa Rica, Nicaragua. Miguel Zayas and Rosa function apostolically with several different churches in the Pacific Northwest and they have a vision for even more in the Pacific Northwest. We have apostolic influence from Bethel Redding. Brent and I went to a Bethel um, Leaders Network conference up in McMinnville for the Pacific Northwest. There were 100 Leaders from churches throughout the Pacific Northwest. I got asked to present on evangelism. I got to be one of the one of the talkers there, which it seems like that's what I get asked to do when I get asked to do stuff. <laughs> but but the experience of hearing from the firsthand about a revival in Denver, Jesus breaking out, working redemptively in people, restoring, forgiving. Recycling people, souls in Denver. Hearing testimonies about what's going on in the Pacific Northwest. I feel like we really, really have, we're part of an apostolic culture that totally transcends and is bigger than ourselves. My friends, this is good. Apostles help us to catalyze as a church family 
apostolic culture, kingdom culture. They have an ability to, and an anointing to experience heaven to earth reality that is a great blessing to all of us. Prophets. Now, apostles and prophets both are into teaching and preaching. They're not into just experiencing this stuff themselves. They're into making you and me the stars, not themselves. They're our servants. They catalyze us into greatness and into goodness and into the abundant life that Jesus bought for us on the cross. Jack Boger, wait this, Jack, right there, Bible ministry prophet, loves to teach on the prophetic, stirs people up. Mary Vaughn, Mary's joining us for, on a road trip right now. Mary, thank you for what you do for us prophetically, stirring people up. This is all good, my friends. And some evangelists, uh, like me, I like to stir people up and teach on evangelism, I find myself doing that. Pastor Cheryl Huckel, way that is Cheryl, has a pastoral care team. What I love about pastors, they embody and express the personality of the shepherding personality of Jesus so profoundly. When I when I feel shepherded by somebody, man, it's like I just walk away from that thinking, I just experienced Jesus Christ. And he's awesome. How do I know? Because they're awesome. And they're not more awesome than him. <laughs> Hooray for pastors. And teachers. The truth sets us free. And people with a teaching anointing have a, have a way of declaring to us reality in a way that is totally inspiring and encouraging. In the kingdom, reality is inspiring and encouraging. So... To the degree that a teacher is imparting to us in a way that sends us over the moon and back with the enthusiasm of the realities of the kingdom and of King Jesus. That's a degree they're actually touching on reality. It's not positive thinking or a positive message. It is reality. The truth sets us free. And here's what the Bible ministry does for us. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. Of the faith, of the faith, of the faith. What's that? We all have to agree doctrinally? No. From time to time, someone will say to me, why are there so many denominations? Because God is a God of variety. Get over it. Unity of faith means that we live in childlike faith with reference to Jesus in the kingdom. Be of good cheer, little children. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the king and the kingdom. He likes it. Childlike faith. And the knowledge of the Son of God. Cognitive knowledge and in, in knowledge in the biblical way means experiential knowledge. Both in Hebrew and in Greek. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers catalyze, propel, inspire us into an infinite experience of Jesus as we are part of an apostolic culture that these servants serve us into. 
to a perfect man slash woman. Body, soul, and spirit. Too long, because of a Western mindset, we have categories of thought that are inappropriate. As in, Christianity is about the spirit and maybe a little bit about the mind, but thank you very much, I'll handle the body part myself. And I have come to understand and believe and have a conviction more and more that a person in revival is a person that is experiencing supernaturally the abundant life that Jesus Christ purchased for us spiritually and with good mental health. With good mental health. Some of us have that experience of spiritual leaders that did not have good mental health. And good physical health. A very practical thing I'm going to tell you right now is I read an article last night that linked vitamin C to the minimizing of the coronavirus. Doctors are not going to tell you that because doctors typically are medicinal. It's like, here's a problem, let's try to fix it with chemicals and drugs. Nutritionists, several different statements by doctors of nutrition, PhDs and whatever in nutrition, the coronavirus can be minimized and even... Um, you can not get it. The claim is vitamin C. Why am I telling you that? I am being pastorally and evangelistically responsible for your body. <laughs> Take care of your body. Wash your hands. I mean, you know, basic flu prevention stuff. Wash your hands a lot, especially if you're a school teacher. So... Perfect man, body, soul, and spirit. Revival, I mean, I've, see, I've been in meetings where 10,000 people are, are present with healing, amazing healings going on. But the evangelist themselves, or the healer himself, we found out later, was totally messed up in terms of his personal life. Brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be. Revival is wholeness. Jesus has a holistic approach to you and me. He wants us well. He wants us sleeping at night. I'm not saying if you have a physical challenge that something is wrong with you spiritually or you're not being a good Christian. I'm just saying that generally speaking, God is interested in all of the dimensions of our lives. I had a wake-up call when I had cancer five years ago and with regard to reading up about it and realizing there is a with a lot of times there's a direct relationship between inner conflictedness and our immune system going south now I'm not saying that's what I was doing I'm not saying it wasn't what I I don't know if that if my the pressures related to leadership uh, you know was part and parcel of that I don't know but I do know, I am right now very, very, very proactive. And I put time investing into uh, juicing and into exercise. And into good mental health. Because I live a spirit of fear? No, because I'm realizing I was not giving it the attention that it deserved. My body deserves premium fuel, not regular. 
So does yours. Well, I just going to live my life and it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. Everybody's got their day. Nothing I can do about it. That's not what that verse means, my friends. That verse means that unless Jesus comes back, you're appointed to die. Not the exact day you're supposed to die. Many of us will die too early because we're not being responsible with our emotional health, physical health, spiritual health. Revival is holistic. And God wants us to understand that we are responsible to live as long as we can to expand the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to do our very best to live as long as we can. Oh, I just want to, just want to go home. No. Come talk to me. No. God has a destiny and a plan. Well, you don't know my journey. No, but God does. And he's going to use your journey to help other people get breakthrough. Yeah, he is. I love it. That's all about Jesus. It says here, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Do you love the possibility of the fullness of Christ resonating within you? And you resonating in his fullness, his resurrection, presence, and life. As he is, so are we in this world. Abiding in him. I love this verse 15 and 16 goes on to say, We grow up in all things into Christ. So what's the goal of life in the apostolic, fivefold ministry, apostolic culture? Fivefold ministry leadership is always propelling us to Jesus. And then it goes on to say, we are going, we're going to Jesus, and the strength to go to Jesus is from Jesus. Where we're we going? We're going to Jesus. How do we get there? We're rooted in the platform, and we are springing to Jesus from Jesus. All about Jesus. All about Jesus. All about Jesus. Hooray. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The earliest Christian depictions in the catacombs of Rome in the third century are not the cross, which is a dominant symbol now. The earliest depictions of Jesus and his message are are uh, paintings of Jesus as a good shepherd. Just so you know, here's one of them. The catacombs, third century. Here's one that's recent. Leave that one up there. Will you meditate with me about Jesus for a moment? Jesus says about himself, let this wash over your soul and mind and spirit and body therapeutically for a moment. The Son of Man has come to save, heal, deliver that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep 
and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. You get a picture or an impression from this teaching of Jesus that it's better to be lost because then Jesus will find you than to actually be in the fold of the church life. I want to submit to you that that's not the proper response to this. The proper response is to see the body of Christ, the fivefold ministry leadership in a church setting, serving supernatural Jesus presence to us all in a way where we experience in a continual way breakthroughs after breakthroughs after breakthroughs of his personal shepherding of each of us. And in the course of our life on this planet, there's always going to be moments where Jesus calls us to a different level of personal shepherding. You never fully arrive till we till he comes back into a full experience of the perfection that we have positionally, forensically, legally in his presence. He's working. He's given us the A+, plus, 100%. Justified us, righteousified us, forensically, legally. But he's working in us, body, soul, and spirit, breakthrough after breakthrough, into greater and deeper dimensions of the abundant life that he blood-bought us into in terms of our destiny. Hooray for that. The word Ebenezer means like a standing stone that they did in the Old Testament as a sign of God's favor and blessing. I want you to sit back and let me quote an old hymn to you Because it's about Jesus, and I want some Jesus therapy to happen as I quote it to you. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy praise and grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it. Mount of thy redeeming love. Here I'll raise my Ebenezer. Hither by thy help I'll come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger. Wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. The good shepherd 
knows you. And he is looking for you in different areas of your life. And I love to hear testimonies of breakthroughs that people have. Redemption breakthroughs. Breakthroughs of testimony to the power of the of the blood of Jesus and the substitutionary atonement of the Savior. Breakthroughs of abundant life in Jesus Christ. Breakthroughs in the wonder, wonder, wonders that he has for us because of his infinite passionate affection for each of us. There is no Christian maturity that is not helplessly tethered to Jesus. My pastor, John Lancaster, quote from my youth. Here's a quote from me. When we encounter the good shepherd, the good shepherd personhood, when we encounter the good shepherd personhood of Jesus in a healthy Five-fold ministry atmosphere. We can either let him bring us into new levels of spiritual, mental, and physical health. Or we can resist him and bounce off and away from that healthy atmosphere into sickness. The invitation of Jesus is to let him pick us up. Whatever dimension of lostness we are experiencing in the moment. Let him Pick us up in a fresh way and hold us close to his bosom, his chest. So like John, leaning against the chest of God, declares, I am the one who Jesus loves. When we bump up against health, redemptive health, body, soul, and spirit in church life, we either become healthy as Jesus picks us up in the context of his body, his family, or we resist, bounce off into isolation and continued unhealth. We do have a choice. The invitation is to humbly embrace his shepherding care. Jesus is pursuing us. Remember, At the pool of Bethesda in John's gospel, chapter 5, where first Jesus invites the man who is crippled for all those years with the question, would you like to be healed? It's a question of mental health. He's challenging, hey man, I know that there are some dysfunctional benefits from you being chronically sick. I'm confronting that in a loving, kind way right now. Do Would you like to be free from that? A challenge to mental health. He heals the man physically. He then invites the man into a greater dimension of childlike faith. How? Rise and walk. The man can choose to rise and walk or not. He chooses to rise and walk. Then in a hustle and bustle of Pharisees and Sadducees and everybody around, Jesus disappears 
they confront the man and say, what's going on? Why are you walk, why are you carrying your mat on the Sabbath? And he's like, I don't know. I, I asked the guy that healed me. <laughs> and what does Jesus do? He's not satisfied with restoring the man to good mental health and restoring the man to childlike faith. He says he went and found the man. He's, he was always looking He's always looking for each of us. Wherever we're at, we've never fully arrived. It's a journey. And Jesus finds the man and he says to, to the man, you need to repent, man. <laughs> Basically, or a worse disaster is going to come to you. He's calling the man to adjustment, to change his mind, to repent about how he sees God, about how he sees Jesus. Not just this faith healer that healed me and wow, I lucked out on that one. But no, I am God and I am working redemptively in your life. Face it, welcome it. Don't resist it. Let me pick you up and hold you close to my chest. I am your good shepherd. And this is your destiny to be loved by me. A couple of examples I ran into last July a young man. Oh, I was going to read it. It's better to read it this time. The young, intelligent, articulate atheist politely said he did not want to talk with me about God. So I responded with saying, I have just one more quick question. I felt impressed by God that I'm supposed to pray for these conditions this afternoon. Do you have any of these? And I read and showed him the list. The young atheist suddenly looked visibly shaken and said quietly, I have all four of those. And here they are. Headaches. You have that list. Headaches. Intestine pain. Throat pain. And been in a bad bicycle accident. Shook him up. Did he get saved? No. Would he even let me pray for him? No, but he was visibly shaken. It's not for me to assess or know what God, Jesus, is doing in his pursuit of this young atheist as his shepherd. So I don't know if he is continuing in resistance or if this helped him yield. But I know he's not going to soon forget what happened that afternoon. And I trust that Jesus did shake him up. But it's up to him to respond, isn't it? Will I resist? Or will I let the shepherd take me into his arms and hold me close to his heart? Yesterday, at a grocery store, parking lot, I approached a two young guys that were talking, having a cigarette. They were having a cigarette. Not me. <laughs> and uh, I shared the gospel with them. And one guy said, yeah, I'm totally born again. I love Jesus. And I could tell by the light in his eye he meant it. And the other guy said, no, I don't. I'm not. I don't know. I, I've tried to be saved before, but I don't think it worked. And so I prayed with him to be saved. 
Then he said to me, could you pray for me for deliverance from demonic forces? And I said, sure, what's going on? He said, just before you walked up here, I was telling my friend about here about being attacked by demons my whole life. Ever since I was five years old, I felt a demon come into me and go up into my chest from my, my stomach. And it was terrifying. And I've had different visits from the demonic over the years. And I asked him, what is the source or the access point? And he said, well, I was sexually abused as a child. Another thing he said was, um, another thing he said was, I got involved with the, romantically, sexually, with someone involved in witch, a lady involved with, in witchcraft. And I know she put curses on me when we broke up. So I led him in a line by line repentance prayer. And we put the blood of Jesus between um, the devil and between those experiences from his past going all the way back. And it was a very beautiful experience. Just a very simple, no shrieking. I wasn't shrieking. <laughs> he wasn't shrieking. His friend was praying. Just a very calm, peaceful deliverance prayer. I asked him, how you doing? He said, I felt, I felt something leave. Yeah. This, two areas of breakthrough. One, assurance of salvation. Two, a state of deliverance. And I said that with the finger of God, Jesus said, I cast out Satan. He says, anytime that the enemy comes back and tries to mess with you, just plead the blood of Jesus. It, he will have to go. This is your day of deliverance. There's these, those are just a couple of examples. Let me see what we have to finish up here. How to land this this, this, this morning. Oh, I was going to say at the end, I'm going to give you, a, maybe you, like this young man, need assurance of salvation. You need to be sure. I'm going to give you a chance of, at the end of the service, for you to be assured of your own experience of Jesus, the good shepherd, so you can have confidence moving forward in your life that you're up against his chest and he's holding you. And every time you do stray, he's going to pick you up and find you and lead you in these different areas of health in the context of an apostolic church community. Here's a cartoon. This is what happens with Jesus. We change. And next time we're going to talk about how the fivefold ministry, through the fivefold ministry servants, Jesus is going to take us into new, exciting, exciting new expressions of courage. I can't wait till next Sunday to talk with you about courage in response to Jesus shepherding us. It's going to be a great time, so I hope you can come. Okay? We're going to have our um, word of knowledge team, Sherry, I think. Subbing for Marty. Impressions from the Holy Spirit for healing. Body, soul, and spirit. Headaches. I'll pray for you if you have headaches. 
headaches, this must be the day, <laughs> and heartaches, sinus issues. If you're overwhelmed by the fear of all of this core, core coronavirus stuff, I want you to know that faith and fear, that they are both can lots of that they're both will be like any sickness that would just sweep over you. You have a choice. If you're filled with fear, I want to pray for you to receive the peace of Christ today. Teeth problems. I got throat. If you're feeling any kind of constrictions or sore throat, please don't breathe on me when you're here. But if you <laughs> if you have any of that, or if you feel like you don't have a voice, um, you know, a spiritual voice, or um, there's something that's keeping you from being able to speak out. Or anything else that you'd like prayer for. If you'd like to spend some time at the altar reconnecting with the Good Shepherd, we'll leave you alone at the altar if you don't ask for prayer. Sometimes it's a good, has a, it's a good place. We've prayed over this altar and sanctified it, declared over it amazing breakthroughs and revelations of the Jesus redemption in, in anyone that comes to this altar to to pray, to seek God. Let's stand up. I'm going to pray for you today if you are in a situation where you'd like to say, hey Dan, I, uh, I'm i not sure I would go to heaven if I were to die at this in a helicopter crash today. Not sure. I want to know. I'm going to pray for you. So if you just put your hand up. Just right in front of everybody. Right in front of God and everybody. If you want to put your hand up to say, hey, I want to know I'm saved. I want you to pray for me to be saved. Okay, anyone? Okay. Do that? Okay. I think some of you have your hand up for worship. We just put your left hand up real high if you're, if you're saying, hey, I want to be saved today. I want to make sure I'm saved so I can identify it. One, two. For the sake of these two that are saying yes to Jesus is yes to them. Let's all say this prayer together. Short prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive all my sins. I call upon you to save me. I confess you as my Lord. I believe you were raised from the dead. That you love me. And that you're alive. You are my good shepherd. Amen. Now we want to celebrate that. So Brianna, wave at us right there. Brianna, this is your day. And Ike, wave at us, Ike, right there. Ike, this is your day. Your day, you and Jesus, it's your day. Those of you that are friends with these two dear young people, uh, Encourage them in the things of God. It is your job to disciple them to Jesus and help them experience the full shepherding of Jesus in the course of their journey that they're on 
their redemptive journey that Jesus has them on. So come up for prayer if you like prayer. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Be of good cheer, Jesus says. I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer.